0: She had a job she loved, a lust for life, and was on her way to newfound freedom. But then, she came home from work and found herself faced with a man hell-bent on taking her life. Was this some random attacker, or was the motive something more sinister? This week's episode is The Survival Story of Susan Walters Kuhnhausen. Up in the night, your heart fills with dread.
1: Well, I think this is a very appropriate topic to record today on International Women's Day because this woman is maybe the most badass that I've, I think so I've ever heard about yeah except for my favorite woman on International Women's Day which is you
0: well, oh my second, God. my mom is my favorite, <laughs> and then you. Well, that's fair. That's fair. I, I will take a second place, second banana to uh, to Kathy any day. Oh, well, thank, thank you. you. I was just thinking about you today on International Women's Day. Aww. They were like, thinking a badass boss today," and I was like, "I have a BFF who's a badass boss." Oh, you're a badass so, boss too. I was also going back and listening to old episodes for uh, technical reasons, for <laughs> to random things we need to do for the show, and I just. Early episodes, you I was so busy back when I had my big law law firm job. And you were just so kind to me for off the air, obviously, but also on the air. There were so many times when at the end, before we had Patreon and before literally anyone was listening, like thirty people maybe was listening. And so we didn't really have a lot of shout outs. But at the end you would always go, I wanna shout out Heather. She's so busy. I don't know when she sleeps, she's amazing. And I, you just you're so thoughtful Aww. and and kind. And meanwhile, you had a tiny baby at home. So <laughs> I should have shouted you back out. But well, I you always all the shout me support. out. I feel like you're always extremely
1: supportive and shout me out. And you've um, even though you don't have that big law firm, you're still just as busy and you managed to find so much time to do so much, especially when I was on maternity leave. So you are a badass boss, babe, as well ladies supporting ladies
0: that's what we like to hear who
1: runs the world all of us
0: girls girls (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh yeah no i i love it i like that it's international women's day and this is a perfectly timed and Mm -hmm. a suggestion from some awesome friends of the show yes uh thank you
1: man i hope i get this last name right Shane Van Landingham, which is a badass last name, Ryan Mathers, and Taylor Wallsmith all suggested this topic. And I had never heard of it and was immediately taken by this incredible survival story that's just – my jaw dropped while reading about this
0: whole saga. Oh, yeah. Saga. I think I've read like a BuzzFeed article or it was like a short kind of a snippet article. It may have been the all that's interesting article Mm -hmm. that was linked on something multiple years ago. And when it was suggested, I thought, oh, I've never heard of that story. And I said, oh, yeah, okay." I had read, like like you said, a clip, a column or two. And when we really dug into all this research and and not just what happened, you know, during the attack and the immediate aftermath, but then her life and her career afterwards, you just you just got to bow down. Mm-hmm. And and I love it because her her whole, you know, from the start she's like I just did what anybody else would do. I just, you know, it's like any hero you hear, mm-hmm. oh this person saved a kid or you know, jumped on the su- on the subway tracks and saved someone, they're like, "Well, I just did what anybody else would do." And it's like not necessarily. So, yeah. uh we all hope we would do those things in those moments and and then you have people that do th- do do those things. So, Yep, absolutely impressive.
1: Yes. Well, before we get started, we have a couple of thank yous also from some amazing listeners who have sent us some goodies. A couple of these were received a while back. So apologies for just now getting around to them. But Jen from Capital
0: Chips, Mm. some delicious tortilla chips. I I got two big bags. Mm -hmm. I ate both of them and I maybe dipped a quarter of them in stuff. Otherwise, I just Straight up ate plain Same. tortilla chips because they're good. They're I really ate, good.
1: I, she sent us two bags and then she sent a tiny little bag with a post-it note that said Ella on it. So it was for t- Ella. T-
0: she
1: and- sent a tiny bag with a post-it note from Nancy. So my mom Aww, got hers. Well. So sweet. <laughs> I ate one of the big bags immediately in one sitting. Didn't yeah. dip it at all.
0: No, I there, ate it yeah. while I was driving from the post office to nice. your house. I was like fisting the... I wasn't fisting. Yeah, I was you were. <laughs> shoving the chips into my mouth hole. Uh, they're so good. And they're very hearty, so I feel like mm-hmm. you can really dip. Anyway, yes. thank you for... We appreciate the chips. Absolutely. We also... Okay. we And we got a, a, a postcard from Rebecca Pitch in, in Austin. I actually met her through a, a law school friend of mine, Amy Velez. She found a postcard in her grandmother's uh, postcard collection that was never sent of the Adolphus Hotel. It's this very cool vintage postcard. Very cool. Um, so we're gonna put it up in the studio. So thank you, Rebecca, for that. We do have to confess though, mm-hmm. and this is mostly my fault. I'll take ninety nine percent of the blame because I don't think I'm the it's one that checks fault. Well, I checked the mailbox and I should be well. more organized. but So we received some really cool t-shirts from the Loveland Frogman, which is like a cryptid. Mm -hmm. And the people in the factory wrote a note that said, we're so excited that you bought these shirts. We love the show. And then put some little goodies in the bag. We did not buy those shirts. So someone sent us the Loveland Frogman shirt. We think that we got a DM about it. And by we, I mean Heather, who (laughs) is the one that checks the Instagram DMs. (laughs) So somehow in my ADHD life, I have lost both the note with the with the uh, excitement and also the instagram dm so we want to thank you whoever Mm -hmm. sent the loveland frogman thing and please please dm us again or actually probably email because it won't get lost (laughs) um and let us know who you are so we can give you a proper thank you and please forgive my adhd brain for uh for losing that
1: i blame instagram because you can't search dms and so I really think I don't know who's in charge of Instagram, Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg. So Mark
0: Zuckerberg is the
1: one that we blame in this situation.
0: Or as my grandma in law called him, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> Sick burn. She's not Zuckerberg. wrong. Nope. So please let, let us know who you are. Thank you so yes. much. Well, <laughs>
1: we'll let you know who we are. I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And um, this week's episode is the incredible survival story of Susan Walter's Kuhnhausen. And it is a doozy. So let's get into it. Susan Walters moved to Oregon after becoming a registered nurse in the 1980s. According to Willamette Week, she initially moved to Coos Bay, home of Burger's Top Service Body Shop, located at 180 Ingersoll Street, available for all your gobble related car damage needs. Shortly thereafter, she moved to Portland, where she enjoyed its nightlife and would spend time at the local comedy club. She was boisterous, full of life, and had a loud and contagious laugh. I'm just tickled about our Gobblesquatch <laughs> reference. <laughs> if you have not, if you don't understand this reference, Gobblesquatch was a main episode or was it a mini so? It was
0: Patreon. It was a Patreon okay. episode.
1: Yes, that's right. So Gobblesquatch was a mini so, which is available on our Patreon, that we did around Thanksgiving, and it was very funny. <laughs> It's the Gobble Squatch is a really fun cryptid
0: it that is. hopefully is not a cryptid. Hopefully it's a real life thing because it's amazing. We hope it's real. <laughs> but yes. if, if your car is damaged by Gobble Squatch, you can go to Burger's Top Service mm-hmm. Body Shop in Coos Bay where Susan's moved. Susan moved right before she moved to Portland. So, so many tie-ins. We, we thought it was important to tie it in. <laughs> Hoping to find her a partner,
1: Susan's mom and a friend placed a singles ad in the Willamette Week titled...
0: Someone different. The ad read, single white female, 33, overweight, but not over life. Seek single male who wants more out of a relationship than just slender. Active healthcare professional, enjoys exploring the Northwest, interested in conversation, good times with someone who is intelligent, thoughtful, and full of humor. Must be emotionally and fiscally mature. If you're seeking a bright, funny lady who's adventurous enough to advertise, then please reply. Oh. I love her. I, I do. I based on that already. I know. We can be friends. It also...
1: Man, I just... It's not sad, but for some reason, I feel sad. Because she was looking for... I'm not saying her ad is sad. What's sad is... No, no, no. She wanted someone... There were all of these things, and what she got was... Not those things. Not those things at all. And to put yourself out there like this, because this was
0: what year the 80s the 80s? Yeah.
1: yeah so this is basically your profile on tinder
0: or mm-hmm.
1: bumble or something like that but these go in
0: newspaper ads when you yes, flip to the back met... and it'd be like an ad at the back of the paper she met my cousin met her husband that way really? and they are both they're both very witty and funny people which i mean my cousin is we're cut from the same cloth just real like snappy sassy she's my cousin amy who's the nurse who <laughs> Just like I call for all my injuries, um, and she calls me for legal stuff. So it's like tip for tip, it's great. But she's very funny and witty, and her husband is super funny and witty. And they wrote these. You know, I can't remember who did the initial post or you know the initial ad, and then I think maybe he did the initial ad and she responded. But anyway, real but real kind of witty comeback. It's like your opening line on Bumble or Mm -hmm. Tinder, and you know what? They've been married for however many years and have two kids in college and. It all worked out and they're, you know, best friends and totally matched with each other. So in some cases, newspaper ad Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, and that's so wild. I I remember one time I had just, I took for granted that they got together when I was, you know, 10 or 12. And I said, how did y'all meet? And they're like, oh, yeah, this is like a singles ad. I was like, that's a thing that people did? And it worked (laughs) out. Flash forward 20 years, you did the same thing, but just in a more modern technology type of way. That's true. I'm enough to show our kids, our future children our bumble profiles and be like, Yeah, your dad's main picture was in a bathroom and I didn't notice <laughs> until well after we had dated. I was like, Oh my gosh, he is. It's a bathroom selfie is his main picture. Bathroom light has some of the best light though. It was a good picture though. Is that why? Because
1: of the light? Oh yeah. Or yeah, was, it was really he good lighting. dropping a deuce? He's like, you know what? Let's just do it right <laughs> now. If you oh can gosh. accept me at my worst, then you're you're deserving of to be with me. You know what? He was on the toilet. I'm kidding. He wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, not long after the ad ran, Susan received a reply.
0: Hi, different. My name is Mike. I'm a 39 year old divorced white male. I enjoy most things in nature from wandering in the ape caves at Mount St. Helens to walking on the beach at sunset. The
1: man, Mike Kuhnhausen, sounded like a perfect match. Before meeting in person, Susan told Willamette Week the two likely spoke on the phone for over 100
0: hours. He had a nice voice. I was impressed he wanted to talk about the deeper things.
1: Their first date was February of 1988 at the Crystal Springs Rhododendron Club, where they fed the ducks and squirrels. A few months later, on December 10th, the couple
0: drove to Reno and got married. Fast and furious right out the gate. You know, you find somebody you like, and it sounds... It sounds like a hundred hours is a long time, I mean, I think,
1: yeah, I mean, if you've first of all, I hate talking on five minutes of the phone. If <laughs> I would rather someone send me pages of a text than call me. I don't know why I get phone anxiety, but sense. if you're if you're trying to get to know somebody, then yeah, absolutely, yeah, talk on the phone a hundred hours and what i love about relationships well not theirs but ones that start like this or like your cousins probably or mm-hmm. you get to know people on a different level when you have a hundred hours of just talking before you ever introduce anything physical or even meeting each other or anything like that kind That's of true. like kind of like love is blind except <laughs> that show was trash but it's the same concept you know like you're stripping away those physical first impressions and stuff and just like really getting to know somebody before you introduce that and then you ideally would have a really solid foundation for a relationship not the case not the case with this
0: yeah and i you know of course there's exceptions to rules and things like that but paris and i i think we texted for maybe a week or more and then went out and then we actually would talk on the phone and it's funny because um my friend Missy, her husband, she said that they used to talk on the phone, and, and they got together in like 2011, I think. That they talked on the phone. And I remember back when she first told me that, I was like, "That's weird." And then when I started dating Paris, you know, if we couldn't get together, we were busy or something. He would say like, "Oh, just you know, I want to call and chat," or I would say, "Oh, I have a question or whatever," or I want to tell you something funny that happened instead of texting it. And it was really nice talking on the phone. Oh yeah, you know, I want to clarify like pillow talk. I, I don't, I don't
1: hate talking on the phone to Tommy. Or my mom. There are people I will talk on the phone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But if I was just meeting someone and trying to get to know them, I would enjoy talking on the phone. And I used to love talking on the phone when I was younger. But Oh, yeah. Back in the day. Oh, my God. That's all you did back in the day. (laughs) Just kick your feet up on your bed and, you know, Mm -hmm.
0: kick your, your heels behind you.
1: Yep. In an interview with the Willamette Week, Susan said it wasn't long after they tied the knot that the marriage went south. Mike began telling her he had never really been happy, in fact, according to
0: Susan, her husband's life philosophy was life is a shit sandwich, and every day you take another bite until you die. That like. is not something you want on a t-shirt. no, and you know that tells you pretty much I think it sums it up. you know if you ask somebody what's your mantra in life, what's your <laughs> like life philosophy of every day's a new day, and we can all start again and dreams mm-hmm. come true, and life's a shit sandwich. <laughs> yeah that's quite the opposite of live laugh love
1: (laughs) (laughs) and what a beating to be with somebody that that's what they wake up and think every day just this dark ominous cloud over your life
0: all the Mm -hmm. time it's hard to deal with and also you know that's not original shit sandwiches from spinal tap that's true yeah so yeah mike idiot
1: Mike had grown up in Portland after being adopted by a couple in their 30s when he was a newborn. He later went on to serve in the military and told his wife he had fought in the Vietnam War. However, Susan later learned military records listed him as a switchboard operator, causing her to doubt her husband ever saw combat
0: as he claimed. You know what's a rabbit hole is stolen valor stories, where people pretend to be in the military or pretend to do things that they didn't really do. Oh, have you That's ever seen the point.
1: documentary "The Woman Who Wasn't There"?
0: No, what's that about? Oh, girl,
1: you got to watch it. F- a documentary. List. It's on my documentary list on Patreon. Okay. I don't. I don't want to.
0: Don't tell give me. it away. Oh. But you've yeah. got
1: to. You got to watch it. It's so good. God damn, right. I think about it a lot. But that also shows you if he's already lying to her about stuff that early on, like what
0: kind of foundation is that for a healthy relationship? It's not. And especially back then, you couldn't really search it, you know, until Mm -hmm. she later learned, you know, you can't really search it at the time. Whereas Mm -hmm. I Google everybody immediately. (laughs) As you should. A few years into their marriage, Mike got a
1: job as a janitorial supervisor for Oregon Entertainment, the parent company of Fantasy Adult Video. It was here he would hire a man named Edward Dalton Haffey, a 59-year-old veteran with an alarming rap sheet, to clean the floors of the adult video store. But that wouldn't be all Mike would hire Haffey to do. Susan and Mike's marriage continued to fall apart. He was slovenly, gave her grief when she went out, and criticized her anytime she spent money. According to all that's interesting, Mike was emotionally abusive for much of their 17-year marriage. By 2005, Susan had had enough and decided to end things. She kicked Mike out of the house and planned on
0: pursuing a divorce, though Mike wanted to reconcile. I think in the interview, too, she said he would, like, burp all the time. Mm -hmm. It was just, like, almost purposefully gross. Yeah. She would go to kiss him, and he'd burp in her face. No. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. That's not, not sexy.
1: Susan's marriage was not the first unhappy union she had witnessed. She was in second grade when her own parents divorced. The daughter of an Air Force cook, Susan had grown up in a chaotic environment, with the family moving from Colorado to Arizona, Nevada, and California, Susan and her siblings had been no
0: strangers to being shuffled between homes, schools, and parents. She told the Willamette Week, My parents love me, but they couldn't teach me how to have a successful marriage any more than they could teach me how to fly.
1: So if you grow up kind of, that's your baseline for what you think marriage should look like. Mm -hmm. Some red flags might not stick out to you right away when you're in a marriage of your own because that's
0: what you saw for so long. It's true. Yeah. And you, it takes a lot for all of us to unlearn the habits of our parents mm-hmm. and unlearn, you know, not just their relationship habits, but personal habits. And, you know, obviously we're shaped by our parents. We want to take what we can from them and try to look at things with a, a good, a new perspective. But and it sounds like she has that perfect perspective of I knew I couldn't even learn anything from them. I had no mm-hmm. idea what a healthy marriage looked like. And knowing mm-hmm. that, you know, and in and, and hindsight, saying that's maybe why I got in this situation. Mm-hmm. That's fair. On September 6, 2006, Susan
1: finished her shift as an ER nurse at Providence Portland Medical Center, a position she had held for 30 years. Rather than immediately heading home, Susan stopped at a hair salon called Perfect Look, according to Willamette Week. After finishing her appointment, she returned to her home in southeast Portland that she had previously shared with Mike as the divorce was underway. So by this time, she's kicked him out. She's kicked him out, yeah. And he went to live with his dad. Okay. Okay. While the two no longer lived together, Susan had never had the locks changed or changed the security alarm code. As Mike still had access to the house, she had asked him to come check in on her cats. However, when she arrived at home, she found a note from Mike on the microwave. He had written that he'd gone to the beach because he hadn't been sleeping and needed to get away. Not thinking much of it, Susan
0: began to unwind from a long day at work and settle in for the night. That's a sense of comfort when you live by yourself and you come home and you take a deep breath and you're like, oh, it's just me in this house. hmm I don't have that gross
1: husband of mine here anymore. Uh-huh. But even though they were going through a divorce and she kicked him out, they were still friendly enough for her to ask, hey, can you come and check in on the cats and stuff while I'm at work and everything. hmm And also, I mean, you feel safe because your alarm system set. Mm-hmm. As Susan stood in her kitchen around 6.40 p.m., Edward Dalton Haffey, a 59-year-old Vietnam veteran struggling with addiction, hid behind a door in Susan's bedroom. As she walked towards her room, she noticed how dark it was and wondered if she had mistakenly left the curtains closed that morning. No sooner had this thought crossed her mind than she entered her bedroom and found herself standing face to face with Haffey. The five-foot-nine, 190-pound man wielded a red and black claw hammer, his hands covered in two layers of gloves,
0: both latex and yellow rubber ones. This is my nightmare. Seriously. And you hope, you hope that you have the Susan Walters in you. Because... I think about it all the time. Too much, well, l- probably. Luckily, my sister used to jump out and scare me as a kid, so I don't walk around corners. I go, Huah! around corners. <laughs> so you'd scare them. I Hopefully. That's the plan. That is the yeah. plan.
1: I think all the time, what would I do if I woke up and someone was in the house? Or I woke yes. up and somebody was standing over my bed, like Golden State like- Killer style. And yes. I want to imagine that I would react the way Susan, we're about to find out Susan reacts. But I, until you're in that situation, you can't know how you're going to react. You Freeze
0: up, just do whatever to get out of the si- I mean, you go into survival mode, whatever that looks yeah. like to you. It's fight or flight or freeze or appease or it's and no mm-hmm. nothing's the right or wrong answer. It's just whatever you're going to do. No. This is also why magic of new technology. I have motion sensor cameras all over my house too, so I could see from the other room if something. My phone would buzz if someone was in my living room. That's smart. Or maybe a little overboard. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Susan told Multnomah County. We were nose-to-nose, nose, and I could feel his wet, winded breath on me. He was lying in wait for me, thinking, Piece of cake, middle-aged woman, overweight, with two bad knees. But Hafy was woefully unprepared for what he faced. When describing the attack later to WAVE News, Susan said, I saw a man step out of the shadows, and he began to hit me in the head and the face with the hammer. As he
1: attempted to rain blows on Susan, her years
0: of self-defense training she received
1: as an ER nurse kicked in. Rather than back away, she stayed close to him, knowing the blows from the hammer would be less effective if he wasn't able to swing it very far. That's true because you get less smart.
0: Yeah. What is it? It's like physics, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. But I mean, your instinct would be to back the fuck up and try and run. But she was like, nah, we're doing this, dude. Not today, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Like she was that's... like you
0: came into the wrong <laughs> bedroom, bitch. And it's the magic of the self defense training because there is a lot of intuitive stuff that's not right. That the counterintuitive choice of staying close is actually better. That you you learn from mm-hmm. self defense. I believe they also said she had to do uh, training to subdue patients who were having psychotic episodes or drug issues, mm-hmm. and and learn how to counterweight basically and control their physical position, which yes. came in handy. Definitely. And she had to disarm people
1: that came into the ER and were, you know, completely out of their mind. She had to break open chest cavities to perform, like, heart massages when people were, like, in distress. And She was strong as shit. And yeah. she, they regularly trained
0: the ER nurses in self-defense. So it was just yes. kind of second nature to her. And I may be partial, as I previously talked about, an ER nurse who I love and am very close to. They are bad bitches. I mean, mm-hmm. you see shit like yeah. when? oh yeah i mean back when my cousin worked in, she worked in various er's like trauma units we would see stuff on the news of this horrifying you know train accident happened and she'd be like yeah that that's i had to deal with that today and you're like oh mm. and then you have to go home yeah and
1: you're like and this, well i had to get cc'd on a mass email <laughs> it was like our she... <laughs> email was
0: down all day yeah come on <laughs> it was seriously i'm not kidding. our email was down it was driving me out of my mind but and then you think about this woman, not only did she just work a full-ass shift at the mm-hmm. ER, now she's got to go home and fuck with this guy. Yep, yep. Damn.
1: Susan fought and managed to wrestle the weapon away from her attacker. Remembering
0: a lesson she had learned as a child, Susan explained to WAVE, I got the hammer and started hitting him with the hammer several times. My father, the carpenter, always taught me a hammer could be used for self-defense. And the claw end would work the best. Again, oh, yes. she's
1: just like,
0: I'm taking control of this situation.
1: Like, yeah. this is how I, I I want... She is my my icon in this situation. Like, I, if I was being attacked, I would want to respond like this instead of just, like, running. Yeah. Or... Yeah. But, you know, I mean, again, there's no right or wrong.
0: The only right thing to do is try and survive. For sure. But I think, too, if your job is... Some people come in, they're screaming, they're bloody, they're dying. You can't go, oh, my God, I'm panicking. So her brain is, okay. we have to triage. Step one, get the hammer. Step two, or step one, get close. Step two, get the hammer. Step three, use the claw. And like your brain works like that if you're faced with trauma daily. Mm -hmm. And so by virtue, I think her job prepared her, you know. Yeah, totally. Helped to prepare her. Mm -hmm. While
1: Susan was five inches shorter than her attacker, she significantly outweighed him and used that to her advantage. She slammed her body against his in an attempt to knock him over. However, the hitman didn't fall, and instead shoved Susan against her bedroom wall, speaking the only words he would that night.
0: You're strong. Susan
1: told the Willamette Week that it was at this moment she realized this man's intent was to kill her.
0: It's true. You wonder if somebody's gonna rob your house while you're Mm -hmm. at work, they're gonna rob your shit and take it. If they're gonna stand there and wait for you, and then not just freak out when you come upon them and run away, you have to realize, oh, no, no, no. It's going to be one or the other. It's going to be him or me. What a terrifying
1: realization, too, that you're like, this oh. is it. Yeah. That is, yeah. I mean, I have chills. That's my nightmare. I mean, that's a horror movie situation. That you're really like, I, I feel like I'm going to die. Have you ever had a moment in your life where
0: you sincerely thought, this is it? I honestly, and I think we talked about it on the show and kind of joked about it is uh my when we were at my apartment way back in the day, and a guy came up with a gun, and my brother in-law who was trained in law enforcement just looked and was like, "No." And I was like, "There's a gun. <laughs> like what? but and I, I did vaguely feel safer. remember this story, yeah, we were going to get ice cream sandwiches. That's at right. My that's house. right. And then yes. half of us had gotten in the car and, ha- and Aaron was standing up. My brother-in-law, who's like 6'5", like solid wall of muscle, was standing up outside the car. And a stranger approached, pulled out a gun. Well, at first the stranger started trying to wrestle in his back pocket, to, I guess, to get his wallet or his phone. And Aaron turned around and said, stop that, which is so bold. <laughs> so bold. And the guy said, g- 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 give me your wallet. And he was like clearly nervous to do the crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Aaron just turned around and went, no, I'm not going to do that. No. And the guy said, but I have a gun. And Aaron goes, "Okay, well, I hate to disappoint you, but it's not the first time I've had a gun pointed at me, which, oh, my God. (laughs) Meanwhile, me and our other friends were like, we're going to die. Did he pull out the gun? Oh, no, he had it out. He had it out. He had it out? uh, Yeah. And Aaron said, you know, and our other friend was around the other side. And you have to remember, we're in Texas. uh, We were in a truck. And our other friend said, what did he just say? And Aaron said, he said he has a gun. And our friend goes, shit, I got a gun. Hang on, let me get it. <laughs> and then the guy, I think, panicked at that point and ran off. Uh, and then after he'd run off, our friend goes, oh, damn, this is my wife's truck. My gun's not in here. <laughs> it's like false <laughs> alarm. But that was a situation where, you know, me and another friend were in the back seat looking at each other like, oh, God, what's yeah. going to happen? Terrifying. Like, it's funny now in hindsight, but what sure. happened if that person did? And then they later mm-hmm. caught him and said he had held up, like, five or ten people at that complex and the one next door. And... Um, I think they lived. You know, him and a friend were doing it, and uh, they really—it was a really real gun. Uh, my sister was none too pleased that Aaron had a blasé response to <laughs> being held at gunpoint. But he's well, like, "Well, but what did you know you what? Want me it, to kind do? Just, it kind of disarmed the guy. I believe it did. I believe it did. I'm not recommending. A lot of time,
1: yeah, if you just act calm, because you know this guy was probably expecting like fear oh. or aggression or something. But if you just act calm, it it unnerves them, and now it they're was. they're on the defense because. This isn't how they played it out in their mind.
0: Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, I always thought of my brother-in-law as a hero, but that day he was physically between me and a gun, and I know he would have protected me. But yeah, that whole situation, uh, I mean, I don't know that I would have reacted that. You know, if I would have been by myself in the parking lot, and they said, you know, give me your purse, I would have just been like, okay. Oh, you know, yeah, I, give it to him, for sure. Exactly, but um not six foot five in a solid wall of muscle. so <laughs> there's well, also that. you're not six foot five. <laughs> hey you're thanks. a solid wall of muscle yeah i was in <laughs> I a, solid
1: i was a, <laughs> i was in a car accident once where i as i was um spinning across highway 121 or it was 114 before i hit the giant pillar that held up the overpass i thought i'm gonna die this is it yeah and luckily i didn't but we're all uh, grateful totaled my car and uh, fucked my arm up and everything. A dude didn't realize his lane ended and just mm. clipped my back tire and, and spun me out and uh, what is that song by um, it's a quarter
0: after one. Oh, I uh, need you. I yeah. was going to say Jesus take the wheel, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> that song was playing. And so now anytime I hear that song, I'm immediately like, oh my God. And it takes me back to that flashback. Yep.
0: Sinisterhood will be right back.
1: Well, if your 2021 has been anything like mine, it's been kind of uh, ups and downs, and <laughs> the downs have been pretty <laughs> stressful. Even the ups, sweet baby boy, brings some stress with it too. And one way I have been managing this is with
0: the world's most trusted hemp extract, Charlotte's Web. And now you can use the code CREEPY for 15% off their entire selection of amazing products, excluding bulk products and bundles. You can choose from a selection of topical skincare products, gummies, and traditional oils, all made to support you day-to-day, moment-to-moment. A friend of mine recently asked
1: what CBD I recommend, and I really do recommend Charlotte's Web. I've tried a ton. I think their flavors are the best. The mint chocolate chip is my favorite. They've got gummies, lotions, all sorts of great things that um, really
0: help. It's a simple way to ease life's day-to-day stresses. I agree, and you said topical skincare products. I love my back and neck ointment. It's a topical relief for my stress in my back and neck, which is where I carry it. I'm basically Richard Nixon. My shoulders are up to my ears. <laughs> and rubbing that, it just it calms me and it brings my shoulders down to a normal heather looking level. And so I'm no longer uh, looking like tricky Dick. And the great thing is, all Charlotte's web products are free of eight major allergens, not tested on animals. They're gluten free, and their topical products are formulated without synthetic fragrances, artificial colors, dyes, sulfates, or GMOs. Speaking of animals, Charlotte's web even offers products to support your pets. Kate and Biddy,
1: my dogs, are enjoying the CBD Choose for senior dogs. Man, they are really great at this parenting thing. We've pretty much just <laughs> relinquished all duties
0: to them with Simon yeah. and now Ella. And Tommy and I are living it up. I heard it's Ella's like the honeymoon French- phase again ella was speaking french to simon and simon was responding in uh mandarin and i was very yes. impressed it's yeah. crazy was yeah all because yeah. of the dogs uh mm-hmm. so if you want to have genius children and genius dogs too, try the world's most trusted hemp extract by going to charlottesweb.com and entering code creepy for 15 percent off
1: As the two fought, Halfie grabbed the hammer back. Unfazed, Susan began to choke him, yelling, Who sent you here? As the life drained from his face, she told WAVE News, He turned blue as I told him, You're not going to kill me. It was at this point, as she realized she was about to kill this man, Susan tried to escape for the first time since the attack began. Susan ran from her bedroom towards the hallway. But before she could reach safety, Happy caught her, punching her in the face several times and splitting her lip. Lying on the floor, staring up at her attacker, Susan
0: described what she saw next to the Willamette week. He was standing over me with a hammer. I looked at the floor and thought, I'm going to die today.
1: Again, just that realization. And, I mean, you're doing everything you
0: can to say not today. This ain't happening Mm -hmm. today. I mean, might as well. We'll see. She was thinking ahead, trying Mm -hmm. to do what you again. It's I think it's that nurse brain, that well-trained when an emergency happens of, okay, what can I control in my immediate uh, vicinity? There's a book. uh, I think it's I can't remember what the title of it is. It's by Mark Owen, but he's one of the Navy SEALs that. Was on the uh, Osama bin Laden mission, mm-hmm. and they talk. He talks about the Navy SEALs live in a three foot world. Like you're only supposed to really worry about what you, what can harm you, or what you can control in the three feet around you, and it's and that's what you have to do in a situation like this. Of like, okay, what can I do right now that's mm-hmm. either going to protect me or you know help people figure out what happened to me? Yeah, man, that's interesting. Three feet world. You have to
1: be so present if you're mm-hmm. if you have that mindset, which is yeah, good you, if you're a Navy SEAL.
0: Yeah, for sure. If you're a Navy SEAL going out on a mission, you can't be like, oh, man, I can't believe what I got in that fight the other day with my friend, mm-hmm. you know, in your brain somewhere else. It has to be like, no, what is going on right here? Who can I, I have to have my friends back? I have to watch my own back. Yeah, I think to your point, too, of that ER
1: nurse brain, she's so used to dealing with high stress situations where she has to remain calm, cool and collected that where most people would walk in. And there's a dude in their bedroom with a hammer standing there. You you just flip out and start screaming. But she immediately just went into, like, triage. calm. Yeah, just triage mode where she's like, let's get this done. hmm With sheer will and determination, Susan pulled her attacker to the floor, biting him on his arm, thigh, and even through his pants to his groin. If she was going to die, she wanted her teeth marks embedded in her attacker's skin, hopes of tying him to her murder as they wrestled on the floor she felt in his pockets for a wallet or id anything she could toss into a corner of her room for police to later find describing the scene to willamette week susan said i was like a down power line snapping on the pavement such man i think about this all the time i can't remember if it was i survived one of those shows but A girl was put in the trunk of a car by a guy and she was she bit all along like the the rubber in the in the trunk. So her teeth marks would be there and even pulled out like strands of her hair and put them back there. She was like, if this guy fucking kills me, uh, he's going to get caught. Yes. If I have anything to do with it. Yeah. And like dug and like um, broke off her nails and stuff. And so like and uh, dug her nails into the carpet. So like fibers would be found under her nails. That's and I think about that all the time. If I was in a situation like that again, I hope that I have the wherewithal to do that. But also, imagine for a second that mindset—that that's what you're. You're like, I know I'm gonna die, but this guy is gonna be held accountable for it, and that's what you're doing. You're just Mm -hmm. you. You're like you've convinced yourself and come to terms with this is it. But I'm gonna do what I can to to for him to get
0: caught. That's just such a wild mindset. Mm -hmm. unimaginable to be living in that yeah and say to yourself okay well here's my reality I now have to accept that this is Mm -hmm. likely that he's gonna take me so what can I do yeah Mm -hmm. man that's it's crazy to be thinking like you said it's wild to think okay I'm not just only fighting because she's not laying there you know she was still trying to fight oh yeah but also fighting and also digging in his wallet or digging in his pants pocket yeah yeah yeah
1: After an exhausting 14-minute fight, Susan mustered the strength to hoist herself on top of Haffy, placing him in a chokehold. She screamed in his face,
0: Tell me who sent you here and I will call you a fucking ambulance.
1: Refusing to rat out who hired him, Haffy instead growled. Susan continued to choke him. Eventually, he stopped moving. She then grabbed the hammer and
0: ran to her neighbor's house. And I believe she had gotten him on his stomach- so mm-hmm. she was able to wrap her arm around his neck, which is, ladies and gentlemen, if you need a self-defense tactic, a very good way to choke somebody out is going to, you know, put your pit of your elbow in their throat and squeeze, counter move. If you're in that position, tuck your chin. Mm. And then they can't choke you. Counter, counter move. If the person you're choking tucks their chin, stick your finger underneath their nose and press up really hard, and that will usually make them lean their head back in response. Again, oh, all badass moves! I learned from a cool brother-in-law. That's fa- I
1: have never taken a self-defense class, and I've always we wanted should. to.
0: When we there's no COVID and we're vaxxed up, let's take one together. We'll do. Let's do it. I'm, Maybe we I'm, can get what? a private lesson that's only the two of us. S- distanced. <laughs> you know what? We we have a friend that does that. That's right. That's right.
1: I'm one shot down.
0: I two. So we're half
1: we're half vexed. Yeah. Half half halfway there. Living on a prayer. Also, what a fucking badass that she's like, "Tell me who sent you here and I'll call you a fucking ambulance." I don't yeah. need one, bitch, but I I'll think... call you one cuz that's how <laughs> much I've beat your ass during these
0: 14 minutes. By this point she... the tables had turned. <laughs> totally flipped the tables. Tables had turned. And you know what? Shocked that he didn't just go, okay, okay, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, please leave me alone. Yeah. Although he may have, he, I think he was not in his right mind.
1: Yeah, no, and I think he's also, like, still thinks, I'm gonna kill this woman, like, mm-hmm. this, she she didn't have me down yet. mm Bleeding and out of breath, Susan had her neighbors call 911.
0: The 911 transcript was published in Willamette Week. Neighbor. We have an intruder in the house next door. The intruder was in the bedroom with a hammer. The woman who lives here thinks she may have strangled him. He was down there when she left. 911 operator. Can you put her on the phone? Neighbor. She's bleeding. 911 operator. Does she need an ambulance? Neighbor. Nah, she's a nurse. She says call an ambulance for the guy. He may be dead. Again, supreme
1: badass. (laughs) She's like, (laughs) I'm I'm fine. But also... That's so telling of her as a person that she's like, I think I killed... You got to call an ambulance. Yes, like, even yeah. though sh- this guy just tried to fucking kill her, she's like, he needs an ambulance. Let's try and save his life because she's yes. still a nurse. And Correct. it's, you know, I mean, it's still her instinct to save lives and everything.
0: Mm-hmm. And we're not what all a conundrum. Liam- huh? I say we're not all Liam Neeson. We're not all prepared at any moment <laughs> to take a life. You know, that's True. a... You're also... A- your heart rate's up, I'm sure hugely and you're also concerned that this person may be dead you may be the one that did it plus Mm -hmm. who is he why is this happening I mean a million thoughts are racing through your mind so I think the initial woohoo feeling that we as bystanders would have of like yeah you beat him you defeated him is also mixed with oh my god I just took someone's life for sure
1: yeah when police arrived they noted there was no sign of forced entry Susan also remembered that the alarm had been set when she got home that day Police investigated the couple's home and found Haffey in the hallway, dead. An autopsy later revealed his cause of death was, unsurprisingly, strangulation. Haffey was also found to have had a significant amount of cocaine in his system that the Willamette Weekly
0: described as... A near-lethal dose. So he was jacked up on cocaine. hmm mm-hmm. Over five inches taller than her, raging at her, and she still managed yeah. to... yeah. Yeah,
1: and the fact that he was so jacked up on cocaine may have contributed to why he couldn't function properly. You know, he's you're so jacked up, you're kind of out of your mind, or you know that might uh, have contributed to him like losing consciousness earlier than he may have otherwise. But sure, his heart maybe couldn't take it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The next day, while collecting some belongings from her house. Susan found a backpack in her basement that she didn't recognize. She opened it and quickly realized it belonged to Hafy. Inside was his planner with a note written for the week of the attack that read, Call Mike. Get letter. While Mike may otherwise have been a coincidence, jotted inside of a manila folder in the backpack, police also found a cell phone number that belonged to Mike Kuhnhausen. Susan told officers she thought her husband may have been involved as no one else knew their home security alarm code, one two one zero. Twelve ten, their anniversary date. Damn. Uh call Mike. Get letter. This is one of those things we talk about where it's like Google search how to bury a body. Yeah. Like, What are you fucking Delise, doing?
0: <laughs> Florida yes. has kids going way to fake death or like how to kill mm-hmm. without being caught. You're like you really just you giggled that. You yeah. have a planner and you wrote commit crime in your planner. Yes. A hitman with a planner, first of all, is interesting. He has but to be yeah. organized. <laughs> I guess so.
1: But any kind of paper trail, you idiot, don't. And then you take that to the person's house that you're doing the hit on. Yes. And then, I mean, he left it
0: behind because his ass got killed. Correct. But you? Why did you take that in the first place? Uh, did he forget what he was supposed to do that day and he had to check his planner so. on the way? Come on, I man. know what, I'm forgetting someone...
1: something. I'm supposed to do something today.
0: I'm thinking... Kill, somebody... kill a woman.
1: Kill a woman. That's what it is.
0: Yeah. Did he get dropped off? How did he get there? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Maybe he had to take his backpack with him. He took the bus. Oh, yeah. Perhaps uh-huh. so.
1: Ed Hafey was no stranger to the criminal justice system. According to the Seattle Times, he had previously served time for conspiracy to commit aggravated murder, robbery, and burglary. He had arranged the murder of his ex-girlfriend, 39-year-old Georgia Lee Dutton. Her decomposed body was later found along the Umpqua River, according to the Willamette Week. That's horrifying. Yeah. So he admitted to conspiracy to commit murder. And having
0: someone murder his ex-girlfriend, now he's trying to kill the ex-wife of somebody else. Yeah, that he, I mean, he clearly saw that it was something that not only could work, but that you apparently didn't go away for very long for.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. More recently, Haffey had been employed by fantasy adult video stores, working as a custodian. In short order, police detectives determined that Haffey's former boss was none other than Mike Kuhnhausen he also had told friends that Mike offered to pay him $50,000 for the murder of his wife. Got it? Keep those things to yourself.
0: Yes. Heartless for him to plan it, and then stupid for the, mm-hmm. the killer to go around telling everybody the mm-hmm. terms of the deal. $50,000 for taking someone's life. That's, I mean, I don't know that there's any price, you know, that's... No. Sounds reasonable, especially, I mean, although, again, he seems grizzled. You know, he'd already been through something similar. Yes, that's true. And he just got out of prison not long before this. Your moral compass is a little out of whack.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. The day of the attempted murder of his wife, Mike had driven out of town, checking into a hotel with a credit card. Later that evening, he returned to Portland and bought a gun at a local pawn shop on September 8th. A suicide note left
0: by Mike was discovered at his father's house. It read, All I ever wanted was to be loved, and every time I had it, I fucked it up. Upon discovery
1: of the note, police immediately put out a bulletin on Mike. Five days later, on September 13th, officers finally located him at the Kaiser Sunnyside Medical Center. He told the deputy he was checking himself in and that,
0: I have nothing to live for anymore.
1: He was then put on an involuntary psychiatric hold. I wonder what he was doing in those five days. He bought a gun, left a suicide note. You think he was, that was it. But then something happens in five days where he decides, all right, I'm not going to kill myself. I'm going to go to a psychiatric hospital and maybe try and get help.
0: I don't think he was suicidal. I think oh. he on purpose checked into a hotel with the credit card so it would be tracked. And I think yes. he left the note and bought the gun and everything, um because I don't think he was I don't a think red he serious about it. I think yes. I think it was red herring. Although the discovery of the note, police put out a bulletin on him. I think he thought, Oh, they're gonna think they'll put up mm-hmm. if they do put out the bulletin and they find him at the psychiatric hospital and he tells them that oh i just don't have anything to live for then he could be uh maybe ruled out as a suspect of like well my wife left me so i'm just gonna you know i was gonna take my own life i wouldn't hire somebody to kill her mm-hmm. this is conjecture on my no, part. no that makes sense that that makes is sense. based on the my amateur ana- well i'm not an amateur but my analysis of his behavior um he could very well i'm not saying that people don't have these urges and feelings and this doesn't happen but i think for a person to have planned this out i don't think it would if he was going to take his own life why you know maybe it would have been he would have harmed her first on his own but the fact that he hired someone i believe this mm-hmm. was done to distance himself from the crime that makes sense my question is
1: Why didn't he, in those five days, like, leave town or something to where – because I think also he may have been thinking, I'll buy this gun, that'll be traced, and I'll leave the suicide note. Then if they can't find me, they'll just assume I killed myself. Maybe, yeah. But I, Yeah, so I wonder, like, why after five days he was like, okay, I got it. Maybe he knew that people were looking for him or something, so he said – I got to up my plan here and go to the hospital and so that'll increase my alibi or something. I think
0: that you're on to something there. Yeah. And because I think if you leave town, that's really obvious. That's, you know, very obvious behavior. But saying I left her a note saying I was going to the beach because I couldn't sleep and that's where I was going to, you know, do my plan when in reality he was trying to get away and have timestamps that he wasn't near the house at the time Mm -hmm. of the crime. Like Mm -hmm. he's very clearly like I have receipts for the various purchases, you know, like he's on purpose trying to leave a paper trail. Yeah.
1: During a police interview on September 13th, Mike pleaded that he was innocent and had been at the beach during the time of the attack. He initially denied knowing Ed Haffey, but then changed his story, telling officers, just because I know the guy doesn't mean I did anything. However, significant evidence said otherwise. A former cellmate of Haffey's had contacted police, saying Haffey had reached out to him about helping him out with a burglary He said it was a insurance scam. When the two felons went to meet a man about the job, the cellmate confirmed it was Mike and that he offered him $5,000 to help Happy kill Susan.
0: The man said no. Again, sloppy work on the part of Mike to, you know, involve another person that you don't really really know, and yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then there was also another witness Drove Happy to meet Mike on a separate occasion, and also told police when looking at pictures, like, "Yeah, that's the guy that we the met in the parking lot." So, yeah. there was too many people were involved in this for someone to not ever get caught or or talk,
0: yeah, or point, yeah, and be able to point and say that was the guy. Mm-hmm.
1: Mike told police that he had lost his job a few weeks earlier and had nowhere to live since Susan kicked him out of the house. Trying to disprove motive, he also told them Susan's brother was the beneficiary of her life insurance policy, meaning Mike wouldn't even see that money when she died. However, Susan and Mike had paid off their house, worth about $300,000. This would, in fact, be Mike's when Susan died. Mm -hmm. So that, along with just being uh, butthurt that Mm -hmm. she left him, is why he did this.
0: I think so. In my opinion, yeah. Yeah. Money was a motive, and also, you know, he said he he put it the right way. He fucked it up. And also, she sounds awesome. She's like Mm -hmm. they said, full of life, fun. Everybody loved her. She was great to get along with, and he was a sack of crap. I mean, he was Mm -hmm. a life's a shit sandwich bummer guy, and it's like, yeah, you had a girl that was way, a woman that was way out of your league. Mm -hmm. She wised up. You lost her, and this is the extremes, I suppose, that, you know, he was willing to go to. Despite his adamant denials of having anything to do
1: with his wife's attempted murder, just 11 hours after his first encounter with police, Mike was arrested and charged with criminal conspiracy to commit murder and attempted murder.
0: Susan filed for divorce the next day. There was nothing I could find, but I did wonder why they didn't charge Mike with felony murder, because Haffey died in this, cr- in, in this uh-huh. situation and that makes Mike responsible, as he, but I guess maybe if he's only being able to be charged with conspiracy, but they charge him with attempted murder. Hmm. I don't know why they chose That's a those good charges. Point. But yeah, in my mind, I thought, well, you know, the co-conspirator, you know, the co-committer of the crime has uh, died during the commission. Even if it's the mm-hmm. the victim who's the one that took the life, mm-hmm. still, I would, I wonder why they didn't charge him. But maybe had it not been for Mike's offer, Ed would not have been there. Yeah.
1: to be killed by Susan. Therefore, Correct. Mike is indirectly responsible for his murder.
0: And I may, and this is, uh, like I said, I did zero research on that. This was a lawyer brain question. Uh, so don't DM me a bunch if it's like, well, it's actually a conspiracy. I would have looked it up. <laughs> 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 it was just a uh, postulation, pondering out loud. Mm-hmm. On
1: August 30th, 2007, Mike eventually pled guilty to soliciting to commit aggravated murder. The following month, on September 10th, Mike Kuhnhausen was sentenced to 10 years in prison for hiring Ed Haffey to kill his wife. Doesn't seem
0: like enough to me.
1: Nah, sure doesn't. Sure does not. Fearing that her ex may still have the means to hire another hitman while behind bars, Susan sued Mike in civil court for emotional distress. After a two-day trial, the jury awarded Susan $53,783 for her medical bills and lost wages. Plus $1 million in pain and suffering. Susan's lawyer told the Oregonian that they had no expectation that Mike would be able to pay the full amount, but they wanted to exhaust his funds so that he couldn't hire another hitman. Strategically very smart. Very, very smart. The attack left Susan feeling scared and paranoid. She told the Willamette Week that she felt like a broken plate glued back together. She moved to a new home where she had a security system installed, put gravel on her driveway in order to hear someone approaching, would drive different routes to and from work in order to avoid being followed, and practice shooting at a local gun range. Although her attack only lasted about 15 minutes, she told the Oregonian
0: about its lasting impact, saying, I was forced to kill another man. Even though he was not a good man, that was the hardest part. The
1: trauma and PTSD that someone experiences from an event like this being attacked that alone is something that will affect and shape your life for the rest of your life and like clearly she had to change everything she did because she was so scared but to add on to that she took a man's life even mm-hmm. though this guy was trying to kill her like you still have to grapple with that
0: every day that like i killed someone Mm -hmm. and the family did reach out to her and say look no hard feelings we know you why you did what you had to do you know we don't blame you for it because I think and that's never going to make it go away but I think it at least helps somewhat that you're you know you don't have people out there thinking you're a monster that did this but I you know that's it's a stain on your your heart like you and not not like in a negative way like she's marked but I mean like you personally have to Mm -hmm. kind of grapple with that and live with that and she's you know, not that she's going to listen to this, but if she does, you didn't do anything wrong. Oh, hell no. You you know, you did what you had to do, but it's understandable that weight of thinking that, and especially being a nurse who's, your job is to save lives, is to Mm -hmm. help people no matter who they are coming in there, you know, whether they are good, bad, or indifferent, your job is to help them, save Mm -hmm. them, and you did the opposite of that. That's meaningful. That's impactful. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. She said in one interview that she feels
1: like she was given the life sentence. Mm. And that's so sad. I mean, because that's true. Her, her husband got 10 years for putting a hit out on her life. He doesn't have to. Once he gets out, he can never think about it again. But, like, she thinks about it every day for the rest of her life, not mm-hmm. only what she went through, but what she was
0: forced to do and the fear she still lived in. Yeah, you you have so many feelings that – you're they're, you're saddled with them. Someone gave mm-hmm. pushed those on you that you never asked mm-hmm. for. That now you have, like you said, the guilt and the fear and everything. That she literally just came home from work. She did nothing, yeah. and this yeah. is now forced on her for, like you said, for the rest of your life. She put up with this dude's bullshit for seventeen years.
1: Mm-hmm. That's that was her crime. And she said also in another interview, like she was being punished for picking a bad man.
0: Yeah, like her and- crime was was. Marrying a bad dude, Mm -hmm. and who whomps amongst us is not responsible for that. And it's just like, thank God, you know, it didn't go any, it didn't get any worse than it already was. Mm -hmm.
1: While in prison, Mike's sentence was reduced by two years for good behavior. He was scheduled to be released on September fourteenth, two thousand fourteen. In April of twenty fourteen, a few months before his release date, Susan told
0: the Oregonian, "I've spent the last eight years hoping and praying he doesn't have any hidden funds anywhere." I'm hoping he hasn't found someone in prison who said, you just hired the wrong guy.
1: But Mike didn't live to see freedom ever again. He died of prostate cancer at the Snake River Correctional Institution in Ontario, Oregon on Friday, June 13th, 2014,
0: after serving eight years behind bars. He was 90 days from release, man, like 92 days from release. Even though he's in
1: jail and she knows he's behind bars, she still can't relax because she's like... He could hire someone on the outside. I don't mm-hmm. know if he has money stashed. You know, I mean, a lot of people, when their assailant goes to prison, at least you get some sense of relief while they're behind bars. You're like, I mm-hmm. know that they can't hurt me.
0: She didn't even get that luxury. Mm-mm. Like you said, it is a life sentence because as long as he was around, you still have to worry. You, like, feel like you have to look over your shoulder. Mm-hmm. So that must, it's at least a relief to have him gone. Yeah, and she said he
1: told her while he was in prison, like, I to have terminal cancer, you know, and she said, well, if if that's true, then hopefully he doesn't have a reason that he still would want to kill me if he's planning on, if he's going to be dying soon himself.
0: That's true. But even that, he's he lied to your face enough mm-hmm. to kill you, to try to send someone to kill you. Who's to say he wouldn't lie about? Yeah. And, you know, lie about the cancer or whatever, so... Absolutely. Yeah, he lied about serving in war. Like,
1: you can't believe anything that comes out of the mouth. This is why I think he was lying about taking his life. That makes sense. It tracks. Immediately following the attack, Susan worked with Victims' Rights Group and her community to make herself aware of Mike's location and status in the correctional system. She also works as an expert on victims' rights and
0: self-defense, and as a motivational speaker. She told Multnomah County... I'm fortunate that I had had the level of support that I had, but I still had a lot of problems that I didn't see coming. Victims need more time and assistance to make a security plan in advance of release. If I felt I needed to move my family out of the community, it would have taken several months of planning. Despite the fact that Susan took a man's life, no one blames her,
1: including Haffey's own family. In September of 2017, Ed Haffey's aunt
0: wrote Susan a letter that read in part, Although this was a terrible thing that happened, no one in this family has any bad feelings toward you. You did what you were forced to do, and in doing so, you spared many from the same trauma you experienced. That's pretty
1: amazing that they could reach out and recognize that she did what she had to do and there's no ill will.
0: Certainly, yeah, and I think that's the least, you know, you could do as a... You're feeling guilty, too, I would think, as a family member of, oh, he, had, he had oh, yeah hurt you so badly and attacked you. So, so I think, you know, there's – you. it's healing on both sides. You know, there's always freedom and forgiveness. It's not immediate always, and I don't think it's always warranted. But I think in this case, for sure, she mm-hmm. was not looking for a fight that night whatsoever. Mm-hmm. No. Others called
1: Susan a hero, a title she still doesn't completely understand. According to Willamette
0: Week, Susan's boss explained it by saying, They're not calling you a hero because you killed a man. They're calling you a hero because they want to believe, given the same circumstances, they too might survive. If you have survived a crime, there are resources
1: available to help you. You can visit victimconnect.org for resources. You can also obtain help from your state and local crime victims assistance networks, which you can find through the link we have in the show notes. Yeah. The boss nailed it. And I think, I think that's a big, people always ask us, why are women so into true crime? Why do you want to hear about all these terrible things? And I think this is one of those, this is one of the reasons is you imagine yourself in that situation. And maybe Mm -hmm. if you can like plan through it or hear how someone else, it, it affected them, like you could, change something if it ever happened to you and maybe Mm -hmm. have a different outcome if they didn't weren't able to survive but in this case she did what all of us hope to do in this type of situation and if we see that like no it's not just something that we hope can happen like this woman this middle aged woman who was overweight was just a a regular woman managed to like save her own life and be a huge badass like then I can do it
0: too Mm mm-hmm no, I think so. And it's a I think it's also a way to cope with trauma. if As mm-hmm. we've talked about, like having been attacked, been in traumatic situations, you tell yourself, oh, my gosh, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. And I think walking the path of somebody like this who, you know, acted exactly how I would want to if, God forbid, something like this happened again, I find it peaceful. It's like calming to actually hear about of okay, well, in that case, especially for me with somebody with ADHD, it's hard for me to visualize finished results. Like, I I need to see a finished result, and so seeing mm. this finished result of this person was attacked, they did A, B, C, D, and E. This is how mm-hmm. it ended. This is how it came out. It is calming for me, and it is, uh, you know, it's helps you rest easier a little bit of, okay, what if I do wake up in the night and find myself with the Golden State Killer-esque person standing over me? I would hope I would react this way. Again, you never know, and we're all in different, uh, you know, we're all, it's okay if you didn't react this way. If you've ever been through mm-hmm. something and you didn't react this way, that's fine. It's except whatever you your story is, is your story. But I think that's one reason why we like these things. And I think particularly women like these things. Although, you know, it's, everybody likes a good story, a good guy story where the good guy comes, the good girl, the good woman comes out on, on top at the end. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's another reason I think you're totally right. hmm so what do we think? Oh man, yeah, that's. I, th- I think we just summed it up a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Think? I think in conclusion,
1: perfect story for International Women's Day because she, yes, is um, did what she had to do and just is a uh, a hero. She is a hero.
0: I think so, yeah. Even though I, she doesn't and, like being called that, she is a hero. And you hear that from anybody who's a first responder or a nurse or someone when you're like, you're a hero, and they're like, ah, I'm just doing my job, or I just did what anybody else did. So, you know, like she said, I can't see why people think I'm the hero. And it's like, because exactly that. We want to follow in those footsteps. That's what mm-hmm. a hero is, right? Is somebody who's accomplished a feat and that other people aspire to be like. And I think this mm-hmm. fits the bill to to a T. And, and yeah, so I... I would reiterate what you said earlier about victimconnect.org and then the National Association of Crime Victims Compensation Board which we'll link both in the show notes are uh there I did not know this until I took my new job at Legal Aid where we got training we have social workers that help people who were victims of crime obtain compensation and assistance for mm-hmm. like what Susan said of you know you're in an apartment and you want you don't want to live in the apartment you were attacked in and so mm-hmm. the state will help you with funds to move and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. you, and this is Texas. I don't know about other states. So there's a way to you know research what's available to uh, to people who've been through that. And I think it's important. And she also is a huge supporter of. There's a new software that she helped develop that helps crime victims keep tabs on their offenders mm-hmm. so that they're like alerted in advance. And also she was working with the uh, the local. I think it was with the DA's office to prevent Mike from ever moving back to their county, which it's mm. fair. She shouldn't have to move, you know? So right. she would have him banned from the county that he had committed the crime in. Um, and just knowing, like she said, as a ER nurse, she happened to have connections. She happened to be able to know those things. I think now her mission is to make sure that other people are aware that you're not totally alone. There are, there are ab- victims advocates that can help walk you through it. And then there's both state, local, and national organizations where there are resources available because... I think she noticed, like, oh, I have a, a higher level of uh, education in this area that not everybody would know that. So mm-hmm. she's yeah, still and a she, girl. Uh, <laughs> and she said, like, she didn't know
1: at the time and then found out, like, you have the right to know when your attacker is being released. You have a right to their uh, medical history. And their records while they're in jail mm-hmm. Like you have all sorts of rights And the victim's assistance Doesn't just apply to the person that Was the victim of the
0: crime Like that extends to families as well mm-hmm. For sure and and I know I think in uh, Texas there's like a victim's bill of rights as well too. So it just depends mm-hmm. on state and everything So hopefully those those resources we'll link Will help anybody that's going through that Hopefully nobody is but you know It's the world we live in
1: Yep well, thank you guys. Thank you so much for everyone that suggested this. Happy International Women's Day yeah. to all you badass women out there. For sure. And uh especially you, you badass woman. No, <laughs> looking you're the badass. you looking at you. Looking at you. Skype you're camera. You're the badass. No, you <laughs> hang up. No, no you, you hang up. Oh my up. god, no you. <laughs>
0: As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the Rolling the Airways tier, a special shout-out on the show, a monthly bonus mini-sode, and patron-exclusive video and audio content, including our our, R, Am I the Asshole, and R relationship segments where we read and discuss the best that Reddit has to offer. You
1: also now have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We'll also be hopping on occasionally and hosting monthly Q and A's where you can ask us all
0: your burning questions for our patrons, not in the U S you now have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available. Those that select this option will be rewarded with a free month of membership for more details on all of this
1: and specific member tiers, visit sinisterhood.com and click Patreon on the top banner.
0: And make sure you stick around after our sign-offs to hear your shout-out. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. If you want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, visit Sinisterhood.com and click on shop on the top banner.
1: The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check
0: us out means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure you can follow us on instagram and twitter at sinisterhood pod and like us on facebook at sinisterhood christy where can we get pictures of your beautiful son oh he is on my instagram at christy
1: m wallace and he's not on my twitter but i could tweet about him any any
0: day now (laughs) so you can follow me at christy or gtfo heather i'm on heather i'm on instagram at heather versus the world and on twitter at mck versus the world as always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Hey, everybody! Thanks so much for supporting the show on Patreon. Here are your special Patreon shoutouts: Marissa Cole, Anne Adams, Victoria Moon, Taryn Rines, Marilyn Strong, Sydney, Amy Hollis, Chelsea Z, Jamie Fidor. Elizabeth
1: Gardner Wellman, Kendall Sutherland, Hannah Lessel Hanks, Monica Sweeney, Kirstie Harris, B.K., Lauren Barnett, Claire Becker, Mia Johnson, Heather Keaty,
0: Zoe Battaglia, Christina Pereira, Megan Campbell, Jill Wilson, Charlotte Fletcher, Nine Squirrels, Debbie Sullivan, Shana Harrison. Melody Arzola. Julie Lucas. Kara. Anastasia Zamareva. Molly Halligan. Isabel Cusimano. Carson Linnell. Adrian Von Hellen's, Amanda Eggert. Kaylin Berry. Shelby Reed. Alex Pong. Sarah A. Julia. Abby Mead. Megan Vessio Copeland. Abby Jewell. Anaiva Flores. Emma Kovac. Stefan Newman.
1: Scott DeKesny. Amanda R. Kimberly Dawn. Sammy. And Amanda Waski. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show. It really means so much to us, especially during these trying times. We love you. We appreciate you. Stay safe. Stay healthy and keep it creepy. <laughs>
0: Sinister